So before we uh, jump in, a couple of quick things. First, um, part of worship is giving. We don't pass offering plate around, but we um, do have offering boxes here and outside. There's a giving station out there. You can do it online. You can go home and do it online, but just worship in giving is a part of what we do here at Grace Chapel. The other important thing this morning that I would like to do is recognize uh, veterans or anybody who is actively in the military now or has been in the military in the past. If you could just please stand up because we want to acknowledge you with all of our hearts. just say this. I really mean it. My family knows I mean it too. Um, I get to do what I get to do. I believe because of what you have done, the sacrifice people have made in the past um, and are making now to allow us to, you know, as, as a pastor to get up here and say, read from the word of God and say what I, what I want to say, what I believe God is calling me to say without the fear of someone busting through the door and put me in handcuffs and taking me away. And that's because of people who fought and died for the freedom that we have in this country. And I really appreciate it. So we're in this series um, called How to Defend Your Faith and Stay Friends. And uh, for those of you who may be here for the first time, it's a debate between myself and a friend um, that I knew in high school. We lost contact with each other for 30 years. Um, she then began, she, she Facebooked me. We became Facebook friends, and we've been debating back and forth for about 10 years. So let's continue the conversation. Regarding right and wrong ethics, that's easy. It's 100% culturally determined. I suppose it's subjective to some extent, but it's not necessarily individually subjective. It can easily be collectively subjective. It's a communal agreement of acceptable behavior based on survival and custom. Uh. When it comes to determining right and wrong, I don't think I could disagree more. No surprise. First, only if there is a God can anything be 100%. That would constitute an absolute. Without God, there are no absolutes. Everything is relative. If there is a God, then it is he who determines right and wrong, not an individual or culture. In an earlier conversation, you made the point that people will often say your truth is your truth because you believe it. Personally, I would agree with that. Emily, my truth is my truth because Jesus said it. Because God has written his moral laws on my heart. It doesn't matter what time period I live in, what culture says, or what I feel. But take that one step further. Does your truth deny another understanding of truth? Does your truth lead you to judge others? First, the law of non-contradiction states that a truth's opposite cannot also be true. The question of truth is not a feelings question or a win-win opportunity. You can be very sincere about your position and be sincerely wrong. When searching for truth, people shouldn't end up in two different places. When truth becomes self-determined, it ceases to be truth and becomes opinion. So this morning we're going to close out our series um, for now. For now, we'll probably pick it back up sometime next year. Um, but this morning I want to talk about truth. Is Emily right? Is truth subjective or is it objective? Is it relative? 
your truth is your truth because you believe it. My truth is my truth because I believe it. Or is it absolute? And the question is, why is this so important? Why is this so significant? Our morality, how we choose right from wrong is based on what we believe about truth. How you live your life each and every day, how you treat the people around you, okay, is determined by what you believe about truth. When you decide the wrongness or the rightness, if you will, of the Holocaust, for example, you're confronted with this reality, okay, with this reality, because you've got to ask yourself, what, what made Nazi Germany Wrong. Okay, what made them wrong in wanting to basically conquer the world and murdering, not just in a war, but murdering millions of people in the process of trying to fulfill their vision, okay, and their worldview? They didn't just want to go conquer everyone. This was a vision that the country had, this was a worldview. That they were holding to. So what makes that wrong? After World War II, this is one of the questions they faced at the Nuremberg trials, right? This is one of those things. How do we, how do we determine? How can we hold people accountable for a war, if you will? They were at war. See, if truth is relative, if truth is subjective, then you gotta ask yourself the question, how can you hold Hitler and how can you say that he was wrong in what he did? How can you charge Nazi Germany with wrongdoing? Because that's what people do. That was wrong. War or not, what they did was wrong. That's what they came to the conclusion of. But if, there's, if everything is relative, it's all subjective, how do you accuse Nazi Germany of wrongdoing? The basis of truth used by Germany was a naturalistic worldview based on Darwinian principles. Okay? Fact. German leaders saw themselves as superior, okay? Superior people. And the rest of the world, if you will, as inferior people. Weaker. Survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest, if you will. Their source of truth was derived from Friedrich Nietzsche who basically believed his truth was that it is human beings, it is people that are the ultimate source of good and evil. They determine, people determine what is good and what is evil. He wrote this, Since there is no God to will what is good, we must will our own good. Since there is no God to will what is good, we must will our own good. And since there is no eternal value, we must will the eternal uh, uh, recurrence of the same state of affairs. That's what Nietzsche said. Adolf Hitler adopted Nietzsche's view of truth and lived it out to its logical conclusion, a naturalistic worldview. He lived it out to its logical conclusion. And the end result was millions of people losing their lives. In Mein Kampf, Adolf Hitler wrote this. Listen to what he said. The stronger must dominate and not mate with the weaker, which would signify the sacrifice of its own higher nature. Only the born weakling can look upon this principle as cruel 
And if he does so, it is merely because he is a, a feeble, feebler mind and feebler nature, narrow mind. For if such a law did not direct the process of evolution, then the higher development of organic life would not be conceivable at all. If nature does not wish that weaker individuals should mate with stronger, she wishes even less that a superior race should intermingle with an inferior one. Because in such a case, all her efforts throughout hundreds of thousands of years to establish an evolutionary higher stage of being may thus be rendered futile. It wasn't like he wanted to take over just the land of the people next to him. This was a worldview. This was a vision based upon a naturalistic worldview and Darwinian principles. And the foundation of his whole thought process was Nietzsche's view of truth. The questions they faced at the Nuremberg trials when they were basically taking the Nazis and trying them. The same questions that we face today. It's the same questions we face today. Is there absolute truth that is the basis of our morality or is all truth subjective? Is it relative? And it's important that you answer that question. It'll determine how you live your life. John 14, 6, Jesus said this. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If universalism is true, that all paths lead to God. As long as you're sincere. If universalism is true, then Jesus Christ is a liar. And honestly, I saw some statistics recently that said that like a large portion of evangelicals, if you will, believe in universalism. That all paths lead to God, as long as a person's sincere. If that's what you believe, you have to then step up and say, Jesus Christ is a bold-faced liar. Because he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's saying, I and I alone determine what is truth. That's what he's saying. I alone determine truth. It's not up for grabs. So is it possible then to know truth? Because people say, oh, it's not possible to really know truth. Is it possible to know truth? I as a Christian, as a pastor, would not only say that it's possible to know truth, but I would say also that denial of absolutes and the belief that all things are relative, that relativism, if you will, is basically illogical, it is irrational, and inconsistent with basically functioning in the real world. To believe that truth is relative, my truth is my truth because I believe it, and your truth is your truth because you believe it, and but I think that is illogical, and it is, it is, you cannot function that way with that viewpoint in the real world and not be hypocritical. So I'm going to say this over and over and over again. Can you, if you disagree with my worldview, totally fine. But can you live out your beliefs in the real world? That's the question. I have absolutely no problem living out my entire worldview in the real world. The question is, can you live out your truth in the real world? Ravi Zacharias, recently I was at a conference and he was speaking. And he was speaking about relativism. And he said, you know, let me help you try to understand this with an illustration. And he said, imagine you're sitting 
sitting in your car, and all of you are going to be able to relate to this pretty much. You're sitting in your car, and all of a sudden, at a, you're at a stop, you're at a stoplight, or you're in a parking lot, and all of a sudden, you feel like your car's moving, and so you hit the brakes, right? And you're, and it's like, whoa, how, I'm, I'm rolling, I'm rolling. But you're not rolling. What happened? The car next to you starts rolling, and it throws you off, and you don't, in reality, it's like, whoa, whoa, I'm moving. And he say, he basically is saying relativism, relative truth leaves us in a car where everything is moving. So you're in the car and you're moving and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, but relativism basically says, yeah, that's moving. The car next to you is moving. Every, everything is always moving. It leaves you wondering, honestly. It leaves you wondering, what is reality? If relative truth is real, it leaves you, leave, you thinking in your mind, what is actually, what is reality? Absolute truth says to you, says to you, look at the tree next to you to have a point of reference. You're in your car and you think, you think, whoa, whoa, you're slamming your brakes on. But what you do is absolute truth says, no, look at the tree next to you. The tree is stationary. Okay. It's a point of reference. And you realize, no, I'm not moving. That guy was moving. Subjective truth leaves you with absolutely no point of reference. You're in the car, you think you're rolling, and you look, and the trees move in, and the building next to you is moving, and the car, everybody, everything's moving. There's no point of reference for your life. This is key. Please understand this as we go forward. We're gonna, it's, we're gonna be, we're gonna, we're really gonna be thinking this morning, but I want you to, to understand this is key. Reality must correspond with my truth in order for it to be true. Reality, reality must correspond with my truth in order for my truth to be actually true. Okay? Your truth is your truth because you believe it. My truth is my truth because I believe it. Baloney. Aristotle laid out what is called first principles. First principle, and he said that these principles are necessary for any rational thought to take place. And he listed several principles. Okay, we're going to kind of go through them now. Several principles that, that say that in order for us to have rational thought, these principles need to be in place. Number one, the law of identity. A is A. It simply, it simply states that something is what we say it is. A is A. For example, okay, the law of identity would basically say this, all right? It says that if, if a statement such as this is a candy bar, okay, if it's true, then the statement is true. If this is a candy, if I say this is a, this is a Baby Ruth candy bar, if I say, if I make the statement, this is a Baby Ruth candy bar, if this is a Baby Ruth candy bar, then my statement, this is a candy bar, is true. That makes sense? If it's a candy bar, then my statement, it's a candy bar, is true. So I need someone to come and test my theory in reality. David, come on up here. So, and, and honestly, Every single one of you here could believe that this, this right here, is dog poop. Okay? Everybody in the universe who ever existed could believe this is dog poop with all of their hearts and total sincerity and pass a lie detector test to believe that this is dog poop. All right? So you, you eat this and tell me what you think. <laughs> could be dog poop, man. I could, could have stuck it in there. The pack was open. 
That's a baby Ruth. Baby Ruth. All right. So, okay. So I, when I make the statement, okay, A is A. It's a candy bar. So I say this is a candy bar. Then that is true. Uh, so, okay, applied to reality, the law of identity says that everything is itself and not something else. This is a baby Ruth candy bar. All of you can believe it's a piece of dog poop and all of you would be wrong. There's one truth. It's a baby Ruth candy bar. Now, how sincere you are believing it's dog poop, it still does not make it dog poop. Number two, the law of non-contradiction. The law of non-contradiction says that a statement like, for example, it is raining, cannot be both true and false in the same sense. Okay, a true opposite cannot also be true. Now, it could be raining in Cincinnati and not raining in Michigan, but the principle here says that it cannot be raining and not raining at the same time in the same place. Make sense? The law of non-contradiction. It cannot be both raining and not raining at the same time in the same place. So would anyone like to prove the theory, my theory? David, come on up here. So stand right here if you would. All right, so David, I believe that this can is filled with water, okay? And when I sprinkle it out, it's going to rain on top of you right now when I, when, I, when I pour this on. That it's going to rain. What do you believe? I think my truth is that it's not going to be water and I'm going to be dry. Okay. That's my truth. That's your truth. My truth is I'm going to pour this water on your head and you're going to be sopping wet. Okay. So let's t- It's just a test, Okay. I say the truth is when I pour this out, it's going to make him wet. All right. His truth is, he says he's not going to get wet. His truth is his truth because he believes it. Let's test it out. (laughs) (laughs) How'd that work out for you, buddy? It was water. It was water. Okay, right. Because the truth's opposite cannot also be true, okay? If I say elephants do not exist, and you say elephants, someone says elephants do exist, we cannot both be right. If I say elephants do not exist, my truth is my truth because I believe it. It doesn't make it true. A truth's opposite cannot also be true. Number three, the law of the excluded middle. A it's, it's either A or non-A. The law of the excluded middle says that a statement like it is raining is either true or false. Okay, listen, there, there's no other alternative. The truth is not found somewhere in the middle. The law of excluded middle. It's not an alternative. It either, it's either raining or it's not raining. The, the truth is not found somewhere in the middle. And see, this is our culture. Like I say to Emily, I said to her, she was laying these things out. Well, do you believe this? Do you believe that? And I basically said, when it comes to truth, this is not a win-win opportunity. It's not about win-win. And then she said this. This is important, okay? This is where people get you and everybody goes, well, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I don't want to tell someone they're wrong. Listen, this is what she says. She asked me, does your truth deny another's understanding of truth? Well, golly, man. Yes, it does. My truth denies another's understanding of truth. This is a baby Ruth candy bar. That is the truth. If you believe it's dog poop, you are wrong. I'm denying your understanding of truth because your truth is not true. 
Science would deny your understanding of truth. Logic would deny your understanding of truth. Reason would deny your understanding of truth. It's a baby Ruth candy bar. It isn't dog poof. So does my truth deny another's understanding of truth? If I'm right, it certainly does. Yes, it does. Now, people go, well, gee, that, that made people feel bad. Hurt someone's feelings. Well, I'm a pastor. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But reality is reality. It's reality. If I pour water out and I say, you're going to get wet, and the person denies reality, and they get wet, hurts their feelings. Truth is truth. It's not a win-win opportunity. If something is true, it is true. And the opposite is not also true. The opposite of truth is false. It's not true. So using these basic laws of rational thought, we can examine the logic of certain claims such as, is truth subjective or is it objective? Is truth relative or is truth absolute? So let's define truth. Define truth. I guess it's right out of the dictionary. Truth, that which is true, listen, listen, or in accordance with fact and reality. Truth needs to be in accordance with fact and reality. Absolute truth. Absolute truth is true for all people at all, at all times and in all places. Absolute truth. True for all people at all times and in all places. I can do this. I can do the same experiment in China. I can do it in Africa. I can do it all over the world. And if I pour that water, it's going to wet the person. All people, all times and all places. So let's talk about relative truth. Relative truth here. Listen to this means that truth is subjective to the holder of that truth. It's subjective to the holder of the truth. Your truth is your truth because you believe it. My truth is my truth because I believe it. If truth is relative, understand this is how you have to live your life. If truth is relative and you don't believe it's absolute, then morality is relative and subjective. Your morality has to be, okay? It has to be. <laughs> this is what, if you hold that truth is subjective or relative, you, you have to live out your worldview. And this is what drives me absolutely nuts. People who say that truth is subjective, truth is relative, can't or won't live out their worldview. In the real world, they walk around making statements that, that basically are hypocritical. They're making judgments. But how can you make a judgment if all truth is relative? If it's subjective to yourself, or whatever, or time and space, whatever culture decides. If truth is subjective, there is no, listen, if truth is subjective, there is no point of reference. And the foundation of your life is firmly planted in midair. Your feet are firmly planted in midair. There's no, there's no reference point. And that's how you have to live your life. Okay. So a great test, a great test for this. Okay. This is, 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 is truth relative or subjective. A great test for this is the gravity test. Okay. This is a good one. Now, to participate in this, you have to climb up on a very, very high mountain, right? And when you get on the high mountain, you walk to the very edge of the mountain. Okay? So now you're, on the, you're basically on the edge of the mountain. If the holder of subjective truth 
believes they can fly, and since truth is subject to our beliefs, then the person, what, should be able to fly, because his truth is his truth because he believes it. It's subject, right, to our beliefs. Truth is subject to my beliefs. So once the person gets there and jumps off, the test begins. Right? Now, let's just walk this through logically. Now, it begins. They are going to what? Either fall, right? Or they're going to... Right. Now, if they fly without any... Now, some of you guys are so smart, you're thinking, well, what if there's an updraft? And what if he's wearing one of those little squirrel things? And what if he opens his shirt and he floats? You know what I mean? You're doing all your things. No, you don't get any of that. If they can fly without aid, then subjective truth is true... But if they jump off and fall and smash their face against the ground, then objective truth is true. And so all of us will gather at the base of the mountain, okay, and those on the ground will witness what is called correspondence. And this is very important. You're going to witness what's called correspondence. If the person flies, then subjective truth corresponds to reality. And the flight is real. If they jump off and they start flying, okay, then their truth corresponds with reality. If, on the other hand, they jump off and they splat against the ground, okay, then absolute truth corresponds with reality and gravity is real. That makes sense? Some of you are kind of glassy-eyed. I need, a, I need someone to help me test this. David, come on up here. Okay, so David, do you believe you can fly? I do. Okay, all right, good. Uh, I need someone, I need some help. Can you, Mark's going to come up here and help us. You lay this out, because I don't. I thought you were going to ask him to catch me. (laughs) Just lay that out. Pull it out a little further, because he's going to jump real far to make sure he can fly. And when he smashes his face, I want to at least have it on some cushion, you know what I mean? It's not really going to work, but <laughs> makes him feel better. So you believe you can fly. Yeah. Okay, that's your truth, because you, it's your truth because you believe it. Gotcha. All right, now, there's a song that goes along. You ever hear that song? Like, I believe I can. Yeah, yeah. So I think What's that? Space Jam. Yeah, space, you got it. So, I, so if, why don't you sing that song before you jump, because I think it'll give you more confidence and make you believe even more. So sing a little bit. Just sing a little bit of it. I believe I can fly. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You can just sing it, say it one more time. I believe I can touch the sky. That's good. <laughs> there's what now there's one point there it says it, it says this if I just believe it, if I just believe there's nothing to so why don't you sing that part? Because <laughs> if you believe it, if I just believe it. There's, there's nothing, nothing to it. Yeah, that's it. Say it one more time. I believe I can I all right so now here comes the test i my truth says if you jump off and and you have to put your face out like this too if you jump off really commit yeah you had to commit right you can flap though you're allowed to flap okay but it's only i can so if you jump my truth says that if you jump off gravity is going to make your face smash against the ground okay you believe that if you jump off and flap really hard that what well, my truth is the only one that matters, and I, I believe I can fly. Okay. Well, c- count of three. Okay? Ready? Arms out like this, you know, so you kind of, yeah, get, get as much wind as you can. Okay, ready? <laughs> Want to sing anymore, or are you good? Nah, I just need to take one song. Okay. <laughs> okay. One, 
Get some, get some, this is going to be great because you can get it on YouTube. One, two, go sit back down. All right, so we're not killing. <laughs> I know what the thing is. Either Pastor David or Pastor Kevin, most of you believe they would jump off face first. I know it. That's right. <laughs> All right, see. <laughs> okay. Subjective truth, my friends, okay, is, well, here's the, well, back, let me back up a little bit. Back in the 1960s, people believed that they could fly, right? So a lot of people believe they could fly. They're no longer with us, but they believed it with all their hearts. Subjective truth is really popular right now. It's really popular in, in, our, in our culture, in our universities. It's really, and why do you, and the thing is, you've got to ask yourself, why is it so popular in this, we call it a postmodern world. It's popular in this postmodern world. And you say, well, okay, what is postmodern? Postmodern is, simply means there's no definite, there's no definite term. So, you know, so I'm saying this is a candy bar, and a postmodern person would say, no, it's not, it's not a candy. It could be dog poop. It could be whatever we choose to say it is. There's no definite terms. There are no boundaries, okay? There's no absolute truth, okay? No definite terms, no boundaries, no, no absolute truth. And you, after this conversation, you think, why is this, why is this so popular? Why do people believe this? Let me give you a few, few reasons why. Number one, it's easy. It is easy. Emily even said that to me. She said that my beliefs are so much easier than your beliefs. This is her quote. In fact, I confess that it's downright lazy. And I'm not criticizing her. I love her to death. But she's just being honest. And I, I love her honesty. She says, I, it's, it's downright lazy. Here's the thing. Absolute truth, there's a God. If there's a God, that God commands that you obey his absolute truth. This is pretty thick. Right? That's pretty thick. There's a lot of things to obey in God's word. That's harder to be obedient to God's word. When you're talking about subjective truth, it changes based upon your feelings or your opinions. You wake up one morning, rub your eyes and say, I believe this. And then the next morning you wake up and say, I believe that. And it's all fair. It's all fair game. You could say, you could say, I don't believe in elephants in one sentence. And then five minutes later, you could say, I do believe in elephants. And if I say, wait, that's the law of non-contradiction. You say, what are you talking about? There are no wor- words and there's no boundaries and no absolute truth. So you can say something and say something else and it's all fine it's easy can't live it out but it's easy number two things appear to be true and then seem to change and people recognize like for example people believe that the world was flat right and then they came to realize that the world is round or it's a sphere right so someone might say that you you see truth has changed you, you used to believe the truth, this truth, now you believe some other truth. At one time, people believed this truth, now they believe another truth. See, here's the thing. The world was a sphere, it was round, even when people believed it was flat. Truth, truth did not change. Truth did not change. We changed from holding a false belief to a true belief. We went, we changed from holding to a false belief to a true one. Our beliefs, our beliefs now correspond with fact and reality. And I say ours, I don't mean us in this room, I mean the world, okay? Our truths now correspond with fact and reality when before they did not correspond with fact and reality. Therefore, what they believed was true was not true. 
Here, I have a few other issues with subjective truth. So when someone comes to you and says, my truth is my truth because I believe it, your truth is your truth because you believe it, here are a few things that bother me about subjective truth. Relativism. Relativism is self-defeating. It is self-defeating. The relativist believes, he believes or she believes that subjective truth is true for everyone, not just for them. They believe that truth, relative truth, that all my truth is my truth because you believe it, all that is true, not just for them, but for everyone. That's a problem for a relativist. If a relativist thinks that it's true for everyone, okay, if they believe it's true for everyone, then that would constitute an absolute 100%, right? It's not just true for me, it's true for everyone. If they believe it's true for everyone, that would constitute an absolute, and they're no longer a relativist. That's not hard to understand, right? So it's self-defeating. Number two, relativism is full with contradictions. I believe that God exists. An atheist would say, I believe that God does not exist. But then he or she would have to say that we're both right. Because my truth is my truth because I believe it. So we're both right. That make sense? So there's no one wrong. We're both right. So God then here, logic, reason, rational thought, God would both have to exist and not exist at the same time. Guys, just use your minds for a second. This is the reality check. Something cannot both exist and not exist at the same time in the same sense. Can't happen. So it's filled with contradictions. Relativists believe, okay, it basically means that no one's ever wrong. Relativism means that no one has ever been no one's ever been wrong. With subjective truth, no one could ever think about this. No one could ever be wrong since there's no standard, there's no foundation for right or wrong. So if you believe something is true, it may be true for you even if it's wrong for someone else. So no one has ever in so no one in the history show of hands who in this room believes that that there's never been a person who's ever lived who's ever been wrong. What do you mean? I don't understand. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. If you believe in relative if you if you believe in relative truth, basically what I want you to do is I want to turn to the person to your right, turn to the person to your right and say look at them right in the eye. And if it's your spouse, say honey. Okay? And say honey, you have never been wrong. Turn to the person right and say, honey, you have never been wrong. Or the person just say, you have never, come on, let's see you. Right, look them right in the eye. You have never been wrong. Now look at the person to your left and say, you have never been wrong. (laughs) How can anyone be wrong if your truth is your truth because you believe it, right? No one in the world has ever been wrong. I'm just using logic here. I'm just using the real world instead of we get in classrooms and we talk philosophy and we talk our thoughts and we, oh, what about this and what about that? That's great. But then go outside. I believe that if I stand in front of the bus, I'm not even real. I don't even exist. (laughs) Stand in front of the bus and see if you're you're not real and you don't exist. I, on the other hand, will pull you out of the way because if you stand in front of the bus, if you jump off there, you're going to land on your face. You're going to get splatted on the ground. Absolute truth is true. Absolute truth is true regardless of what a person, what, what we believe, know, or think we know. Absolute truth is true regardless of what we, what, we, what, we, what we believe, what we know, or we think we know. It stands on its own. 
It's the foundation on which I stand. I don't, I don't have the authority over the candy bar to say, no, baby Ruth Bar, I know you're a candy, but I decide you're not. I believe you're dog poop. This determined, this is reality. This is a candy bar. I don't have the authority over the candy bar to say, you're not a candy bar anymore. Now you're whatever. You're an elephant. My truth is my truth because I believe it. Okay, so I'm going to read through a couple of the thoughts that Emily had in my responses. She wrote this. I'm not sure why you think there's any moral dilemma whatsoever for non-believers. Nothing leaves us with nothing but ourselves. That's good enough for me. Now listen to these words. My morality tells me that war is wrong, that murder is wrong, that terrorism is wrong, intimidation is wrong. I don't need God or the Bible to tell me that these things are wrong when I have a brain, eyes, and a heart to show me. So my morality says that terrorism is wrong. Question. First, here's what you have to do. Go ask the terrorist if he or she thinks they're wrong. The terrorist truth is their truth because they believe it. According to the atheist, okay, the terrorist truth is just as valid as their truth. So if we're in a building and someone blows the building up and all your family's in and it collapses on them, okay, the terrorist is very excited. He thinks he's completely right and it's true, right? For him, it's true because he, now he's wiped out more people who he had to compete with before, even though it's your family, doesn't matter because his truth is his truth because he, he believes it. His truth is just as valid as your truth. My morality, and he would say, my morality says I should blow you up. And all you can say is, well, gee, I hope I'm not in the building you blow up. She continues, your postulation that, that it's a moral universe is unfounded. That is, there's more morality in a bit of black matter 10,000 years from here than in a bucket of spit on a porch in West Virginia. Morality is a human assessment of value. I, do, I, I don't think non-believers pose the origin question in terms of morality. Rather, the contrary. The conjecture by believers is a bit maddening, not to mention unnecessarily elaborate. And I, my response to her is, if you are correct that there is more morality in a bit of black matter 10,000 light years from here, than there is in a bucket of spit in a porch in West Virginia, I would strongly disagree with your position and understanding of morality. In your view, morality has no foundation other than what man decides collectively or individually. You said this earlier. If we determine a collective understanding of goodness, for example, or she said, it's a social contract, a matter of physiological survival, reciprocation, kinship, satisfaction, and predictability. It's instinctual. And I said to her, your concept of morality is like shifting sand. As long as we all agree, then it's moral. But what if, what if, the, what if Nazi Germany won the war? And they were the only ones in power. And they were the only ones that term in culture. Then they would be right. And that more, they killed all those people because it was the, because for them, that's their morality. And for us, we go, that doesn't, wait, that's just ridiculous. You can't murder all those people and say it's right. Oh, oh, if truth is relative, oh, yes, you can. 
Oh, oh, yes, you can. Throughout history, that's what's been happening. Without absolutes, you're being carried along by cultural norms, your feelings, and time. You may find that comforting, I said to her, but I do not. I do not. Again, it's like, it's like not knowing whose car is moving, yours or the person next to you. It's worse. It's like looking out for a reference point and the tree's moving. That's the world you have to live in. What's your reference point? There is no reference point. Everything is moving. And I said, I would argue that as soon as an atheist makes a moral judgment on the rightness or wrongness of something, they have become hypocritical. Where does the, listen, where does the we get the collective understanding of goodness? Where do they get that from? Atheists say that the fa- its foundation is instinctual. Why do they say that? Here's the thing. Because we are a moral beings created in the image of God. And even if we reject him, even if we reject him, we cannot escape the reality of who we are. Romans chapter 2 verses 13 through 15 says this. For it is, it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but those who obey the law who will be righteous and declared righteous in God's sight. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements, listen, of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, and other times even defending them. The law of God is written on our hearts. Absolute truth is written on our hearts. Sometimes we just need to figure out what it is, but it's there. Truth is not relative. As we close, I want you to ask yourself, okay? If you disagree with me, can I, ask yourself, can I live out my worldview? In the real world, can I live out my worldview? A worldview is meaningless and unless it can be lived out in reality. Your worldview, you can, you can be smarter than the average bear. You can be smarter than all of us combined in this room. But your worldview is meaningless if you cannot live it out in reality. It's why I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian because I lived in that world for so many years and realized this is illogical. It doesn't make sense. It's irrational. It breaks all kinds of natural laws of scientific laws. Oh, it's just... Again, I'm going to say this. I do not have enough faith, okay, to be an atheist. I just don't. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want you to bow your heads with me. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to think about it. Keep your thoughts going, though, okay? Bow your heads, open your minds. What do you believe about truth this morning? What do you believe truth is this morning? Do you believe that God is the first cause? Now, we all, this is by faith. Whether you believe in God or don't, it takes faith. But here's my question. Do you believe that God is the first cause of all things or that nothing is the first cause of all things? That nothing created everything or that God created everything? Do you believe that Jesus is the truth? It comes down, this is what, this is what it comes down to. Do you believe that Jesus is the truth or that Jesus Christ is a bold-faced liar? 
Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word, listen, every word of God proves true. Every word of God proves true. And this is God's word. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Most of the time, people argue about this not because of the intellectual side. It's because they do not want to be obedient to a real God. They do not want to submit themselves to a real God. That is called a sinful nature, and that makes sense in the real world. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death. That we will be separated from God for eternity if we hold to that truth. But then the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved you and me. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In Romans 10, 9, it says, If you declare, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe the truth, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. My question for all of us is, where do you plant your feet this morning? Where are you choosing to plant your feet this morning? On the solid rock, Jesus Christ, or in midair? Will you spend your life wondering if your car is moving, or the building next to you is moving, or the tree is moving, or, or will you live without a reference point? That's the question. Do you choose to live without a reference point? Or will Jesus be your reference point? I am the way, the truth. We need to make that choice this morning. We need to make that choice today. Ask God to place your feet on solid ground. And when you're not really sure, just look out to that reference point. That reference point is Jesus Christ. And He will make your path straight. So pray right now, if you would. I want you to pray. If you've never prayed to, to ask Christ to come into your life before, I want you to pray and ask Him to become Lord of your life, to become your reference point, to become the director of your life, to show you what your purpose is in life. Enough, enough. You, you have enough knowledge just after the sermon to make this decision. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just repeat after me in your mind if you choose to desire, if that's your desire. Father, I believe your word is true. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that my sin has separated me from you. I believe... In what Romans 10.9 says, that if I confess with my mouth, if I declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe the truth in my heart that you raised him from the dead, then I will spend eternity with you. I will be saved. I ask you to come into my heart, and I ask you to be the Lord and the director of my life. I ask you to please fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your truth. 
that I may stand firmly with you for eternity. I pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. And if you prayed that prayer, just keep your heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer, please raise your hand up. Just raise your hand. That's amen, 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 amen. If you prayed that prayer, please connect with me or Pastor David or someone after the service so we can, we can help set you on that path to stronger spiritual growth. Father God, thank you for this series. Thank you for this time we can spend together this morning. Father, I know it was really heady. I know we, we talked about so many different topics and subjects and dealing with truth. But I pray, dear God, that you would impress upon our hearts that we would try to remember what we've learned. So that when we talk to people during this Christmas season, during this holiday season, Lord God, Thanksgiving, when people are around, gathered around, that we be able to share this truth with gentleness and respect, leading people into a closer relationship with you. Pray that we would not argue, Lord God, that we would just talk and our hearts would come through. Our desire for just helping people understand would come through. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time that we can spend together. You're awesome. You're majestic. And you are truth. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.